Hey guys, welcome to the LT Brings the Heat podcast. We're your hosts, Sean Laird and Adam Heisler, where we talk about baseball and sports performance. With topics ranging from coaching, business, and player development, our goal is to bring you a no BS approach to development in baseball and sports performance. Hope you guys enjoy. Let's rock and roll. Hey guys, welcome to LT Brings the Heat podcast episode one. I'm a uh, one of your hosts here, Sean Laird. Uh, I'm the owner of Laird's Training up here in Kokomo, Indiana. Uh, and I got my co-host here, Adam. Go ahead, Adam, introduce yourself. What's up, guys? My name's Adam Heisler. Uh, I own the Heisler Heat Baseball Academy here in Mobile, Alabama. And we're excited to get this thing going. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. So Adam, Adam and I have been good friends now for a while, about 12 years, even though we really don't see each other, talk to each other lunches anymore. We, uh, we actually started talking a lot more here recently. It seems like we just picked back up right where we left off. Um, so essentially guys like, you know, me and I'm going to be having a conversation here and, and there's a big reason why we wanted to introduce this podcast and there's something I've been wanting to do for a long time. And I, and Adam does a lot of creative stuff himself down in mobile. Um, and I have a big adage that I want to live, learn and pass on. I know Adam has that same feeling is like everything that we've experienced, whether, you know, the good things, the bad things as, as, as players, as coaches, like we want to make sure that we can help develop guys, you know, mentally and physically to get to the highest level possible in their sport, but also the highest level in life, uh, you know, being a good person, being a good father, being a good brother. Um, and what we're going to do here is, you know, I'm, I'm definitely a little bit more blunt of a person. I'm hard nosed. I'm going to be straightforward. Adam is uh, he, he's a, he's a cool dude. Adam is obviously has the same type of mentality I have where he gets after it hard, but he's definitely a lot calm, cool and collected. And you'll notice that, uh, notice that about him too. Um, but I will say this is like, there, there's a lot of BS that goes on through social media. There's a lot of, you know, stuff with coaches that might mean very well. They might have the best intentions, but there's a lot of things that we kind of want to sift through all the crap and help you guys kind of understand the process of developing athletes. So, you know, when it comes to a sports performance side, you know, in the weight room, uh, speed and agility, but also when it comes to hitting and pitching and, and as much as we can get on here and we're going to have, we're going to have one-on-ones where me and Adam are talking about questions. We're going to answer a couple of questions today. Uh, we're also going to have um, a lot of guests on, and we got some fun guests that we're going to bring up. And we're going to record here in the next few weeks uh, for you guys. We're going to have MLB players. We'll have minor league baseball players. We'll have college coaches, recruiting coordinators. Uh, we're going to try to get as much of a, of a base as possible so you guys can kind of hear things from different perspectives. And that's the thing is, like me and Adam, I would say, are probably about 90% on the same page. But, you know, everybody has their own perceptions on things. Adam's going to see things differently through his eyes. Uh, I'll see things differently through my eyes. And, and one thing in the baseball world, I think that we need more of is respecting the differences and how people see things. Um, and one thing I want to do specifically is help you guys understand the semantics that's involved in baseball. Cause a lot of times guys will get, um, guys will argue a little bit at times and, and rally. They're trying to say the same thing just in different ways. Um, but a big thing is, is Adam, anything you want to jump on there to kind of uh, continue what we're talking about here? Yeah, so there's a lot of talk, especially going on now, old school, new school, with the technology, the data, and the way I view it, and I think we've talked about this before, is this, why did you just not call it school and learn from different things? I mean, the guys we all consider an old school, number one, it obviously worked for a lot of those guys, and maybe they didn't have all the measurements, the technologies. It's kind of like we used to have phone books back in the day. Now we don't have phone books anymore. It's a lot easier. You have it all saved in your phone. You can get online. You can Google. You can find things. So I think the biggest thing is just trying to, like you said, is not everybody's the same athletic-wise as well as coaching-wise. Guys have different points that they try to get across. So I think 
us, I would probably say we're probably going to agree, like you mentioned, 90% of the time, but then there might be that 10% where we get to talk about things and the pros and cons of everything. And I'm a big believer and there's more way, there's more ways to skin a cat than just one. So let's have discussions about it. Let's bring guests on. Let's find out what worked for one guy may not work for another. And I'm just really excited about this idea because when I was growing up, there wasn't any, I didn't have any mentors to kind of lean on from a professional baseball aspect to a college aspect. Uh, my brother was three years older than me, but it wasn't enough time to kind of share insight to me. So I think our goal is going to be to pass on our knowledge and info to these younger players that are looking to play at the next level, as well as to their parents and kind of guide them in the of, hey, steer far clear of this this organization or these guys, and these are the ones you want to be around. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. So obviously right now, guys, um, we're going through the COVID-19 crisis uh, here in Howard County. They actually expanded our Orange Travel Advisory to, to May 4th. And um, uh, up here in Indiana, obviously, it's a little bit different Alabama. I was helping getting guys ready for season. We usually start season about that first week of April, um, and Adam will kind of dive into his stuff a little bit. But like, um, obviously with summer ball, like I coach in the Indiana Bulls organization. Uh, I know Adam is a coach in Louisiana Knights organization and, uh, we're like, we're going to, it's kind of an unprecedented times. So we're going to have to help prepare guys for summer ball. Whereas usually they show up rolling into summer ball for, um, all prepared. Like their arms are in shape. They've seen a lot of live pitching and maybe they've had a hundred ABs. Um, and now we're in a situation where we're kind of starting from scratch and kind of getting guys ready a little bit. So I, I guess I want to dive into this first question is like, Hey, like when you guys were getting into season and preparing your guys for, for this spring season, like when it comes to getting guys ready for timing and stuff, how are, are you going to do a lot of the similar things that you did in the spring, getting them ready for this summer once we're able to open the doors back up? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. And I think the big thing is nobody's going to have an advantage because nobody's seen live pitching right now. So I think the biggest thing, uh, we start a little earlier down here because the weather is more cooperable. Uh, so we usually start the season the last week of February. So kind of leading up to that last month, I would say especially January, when time came around for January, from a hitter standpoint, we definitely spent a lot more time on the hack attack pitching machine for sliders, breaking balls, fastballs, just to kind of ramp up the game speed. Uh, there was less flips. There was more actually batting practice. There was more competitive batting practice, uh, breaking ball batting practice. Just a lot of – because timing is probably the number one issue when it comes to hitters from – or especially early in the season. So I think it's a great question because nobody's got that advantage to go see anybody live right now. So I think once we get kind of clear on this thing, the big thing is going to – this number one, make sure everybody's healthy, uh, make sure everybody's ready to roll because there's going to be some, unfortunately, that – aren't training that try to jump right back in and then maybe that's where injuries come from. So I think a big thing is going to be from a hitting standpoint, making sure we've been doing something and we'll talk about that later in the show of some things you can do at your house. But once we get ready to go, if we only have about two or three weeks of this thing, it's going to be half fast pace where it's a lot of over the top batting practice, uh, a lot of the hack attack and, Hey, you might stink at first because you haven't seen stuff in a while. That's the part of it. And I feel I'd much rather fell in the cage than I would jumping out there on the field, not ready to be prepared. What do you, what do you got in mind? What are you going to have your guys doing? Absolutely. So I think you hit the nail on the head right there. There's a lot of guys that, that continue to do flips uh, once spring and everything starts getting on, they're getting prepared and they don't really prepare. And even in BP, like they're throwing slow BP. And, and as you know, like at the highest levels, and highest levels of high school, highest levels of college, like everybody can hit slow BP. You know, there's guys that show off. Uh, I know if I ever tried to show off in, in, in BP, I usually ended up having my worst games yep. in the game because I was getting too big. 
Um, so the big thing with, with us and things that have helped us the most is we do a lot of short distance BP where I'm throwing really hard and we try to correlate the, the velocity, maybe out throwing 40 to 45 miles an hour at 20 to 25 feet, um, somewhere right around there. Um, and it, sometimes it's 38 miles an hour and then I'll throw sliders, I'll throw some curveballs, I'll throw some, mix it up some speeds. Um, and one thing that I like to do is I like to change tempo. So I'll do five to 10 throws at a certain tempo from the stretch. Um, and then I'll change it and say, hey, I'm going to change this now. And maybe I'll do more of, a, of that slide step or, or of a smaller leg lift and kind of get there a little bit quicker and try, just trying to speed the hands up specifically on fastballs. Um, and one thing that I've noticed the most um, is as soon as we make that transition, no matter how good, how good a guy looks like on, you know, on flips and front toss, is there's a, there's a disconnect there. Um, they're not catching up to that fastball. Uh, which some guys, you know, some guys have that natural ability with their hands and there's some guys that might not have the perfect mechanics, but they're a gamer. So when they get that overhand BP, their hands are going, they see the ball, they pick it up really quick. Um, so what we always try to do, and I feel like that we do a really good job of it and guys really, really start off the season really hot is we make sure that we put them in a stressful environment. Um, and, and you hit the nail on the head, like, Hey, you're going to struggle. Like when you're getting those sliders and the curveballs and the hack attack machine, like, you're going to struggle. And a lot of people, I think they show up for lessons and they think that they're supposed to tear it up. And I always tell guys like, Hey, if you show up to me and you're tearing it up, I'm like, dude, why are you here? Like, you know, I'm not, there's no reason for you to be here. And I always want to, no matter how good a player is, like I'll have, you know, guys that are going to D1, I'll have guys that are, are, are just trying to be a good high school baseball player. And I, I'm always trying to challenge them based on their weaknesses. Like we want to maintain strengths, obviously, which I know you agree with hundred percent and we're going to build those weaknesses up. And when it comes to those weaknesses, timing is making the adjustments from that fastball to curveball, understanding when to attack the fastball, when to start your low. Because I know a lot of guys with timing, the biggest disconnect is guys are treating every pitcher the same on when they should start their load or when they should start their separation. And they don't understand that, you know, it's you're dancing with the pitcher. You're playing his game. And, and the reason we talk about hitting being so hard, it's one of the hardest things to do in all sports, if not the hardest, is you know, with pitching, you're in control of your tempo. With hitting, you have to match your tempo with that pitcher. And I think guys make that mistake sometimes, and they kind of rush everything, and everything happens too fast. And then they, they sacrifice power. They sacrifice swing adjustability, which we talk about a lot in, in, in hitting. Um, but that's good stuff right there, throwing in the, the, the hack attack right there, too. We, I personally throw it right now as my arm is a little okay, but we're, gonna, <laughs> uh, we're definitely going to use hack attack sliders in the future. Yeah, and like you mentioned, and like you mentioned, is every kid that I've ever put on the hack attack, their first day is bad. It's absolutely terrible. <laughs> I've had kids have tears in their eyes, and why can't I hit this machine? And you'll notice two to three times later, maybe fourth time, they're making contact. Now they're actually barreling it up. And when we hit off the hack attack, I don't need cage bombs. I don't know. It's just I'm putting the barrel on the ball. And a big thing I like to tell them is make sure you're on time with the pitch. And what I mean by that is if you feel you're not on time, just take the pitch. And now you're learning when to get your swing off and when to launch your swing. And it's helping them understand just the timing aspects, even if they're just taking the pitch, you're doing just as well. Another thing we, I think we could really do is as long as pitchers are ready to roll is I love doing live at bats in the facilities or outside. I mean, here it rains a lot. So it's one of the big perks of having an indoor facility, but I'm a big time believer in getting out on the field as much as possible. If it's available. I mean, I know a lot of parks and stuff like that don't, aren't open to private stuff coming out there or travel teams or anything like that. But I would definitely recommend if you have field access to do live at bats, 
as soon as this thing kicks off and if our pitchers have been thrown and their arms are in shape, even if it's 25, 30 pitches, it's doing live at bat situations, you'll get way more out of that than, like you mentioned before, just coming in there and me throwing you feel good kind of batting practice. Absolutely. Yeah, the live AB thing is a big deal. And I know there's a lot of high schools that utilize it and some high schools that don't. And I mean, obviously in the spring, I can tell when I go watch some of the games some of my guys play, like you can tell the difference to the guys that have seen the live ABs and have been prepared versus the guys that haven't. And as instructors, like the best thing that we can do is try to recreate that atmosphere when we don't have that live pitching. And I'll get myself and I'll, I'll do my leg kicks. I'll throw overhand. I'll do everything I can get a little bit on that downhill plane to try to, to, try to correlate that. Um, but like you said, like that's the, the only way to build that confidence is to do it. It's, it's baseball is a game repetition. You have to see those live, those live ABs, at least standing in front of bullpens, mm-hmm. seeing pitches, tracking pitches. And that's one thing that I think is, is in high schools is, is something that you could take advantage of. something to help me dramatically is I would stand inside bullpens and I would act like I'm doing my load, my separation, I'd get everything going. And I would just track pitches and it helped me a lot, especially with sliders away and seeing pitches up, picking up a spin. Um, that's something I think is really huge. So if you got buddies and we're going to kind of dive into this a little bit here later, uh, if you got buddies that are throwing pins somewhere, you know, keep your six feet distance as of right now, what they're asking for, you can step off the plate six feet and you can kind of just track pitches right there. If they're throwing bullpens in their neighborhood, I don't want to give anybody advice to get anybody in trouble right now. Uh, <laughs> but we all know who's listening to this right now. You got to do what you got to do in situations. Um, and I'm not advising you to break the law by any means. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, I kind of want to dive into like we were just you're just talking about training guys and, and preparing them for the spring. I want to kind of dive into one of the first questions um, that we kind of went into here. Um, let's see here. We had a question from uh, Coach Greg here in Indiana. And. He, he coaches uh, 13-year-olds, and he wants to ask uh, for our advice, and he would appreciate, you know, basically he trains youth athletes, and he's coaching youth athletes at 13-year-old age level. And he has kids on the same team where half of them have hit puberty, um, and they're already taller than their dads. They're bigger. They're stronger. And the other half, they haven't even come close to puberty. You know, they're smaller. They might not have their coordination back. Um, and he's basically kind of dove into this a little bit more as, you know, you know, pitching-wise, guys can get away with utilizing their strengths. Defensive-wise, you're working with hands. You know, at the lower levels, you're essentially going to get guys from point A to point B to get better. But the big thing is, is as he says with hitting, is there's a problem where a lot of guys, like young guys specifically, they'll hit a ball in the air. It's a fly ball, and they think that they crushed it and ends up being a lot of flyouts half the time. They don't understand the disconnect of, like, not having power and, and hitting fly balls as opposed to hitting hard line drives. Um and he's basically saying, like, you know, a lot of these guys don't understand their roles and how, how to, to maximize their roles, but also build upon their weaknesses. So uh, I'll go ahead and let you take over here, kind of answer that first on your side. Yeah, that's a great question. And personally for myself, I was a super late bloomer. Like there was no way in heck when I was 13 years old, I was lucky to get the ball out of the infield. And so what I tell a lot of the kids is depending – you got to be yourself right now. And some kids are, like you said, twice the size of others right now. So you've got to understand, like an old saying Coach Kittrich used, are you an ant or are you a bull, right? <laughs> <laughs> are you an ant or you're a bull? And so one thing I like to talk to the younger guys as is you can really – you can see right away who's the ant and who's the bull. Just kind of learn your role and then kind of play and go with it. So obviously if the younger kid – let's just get to the younger, smaller – or the smaller athlete, not necessarily the younger, the smaller athlete – so his goal is at the 13-year-old level, and they're on the bigger fields. One thing I like to try to tell the guys is try to hit the ball hard where it's a line drive that reaches the outfield grass. That's your ultimate goal. And 
by doing that, you're going to learn your angles that you need to go at. A lot of guys will talk about the launch angles and stuff now, which I think we'll both agree. Hitting the ball hard in the air is what wins and is what's good now at that level where when you're 13 and you're 85 pounds, 100 pounds, whatever it would be, is your angle might be five-degree launch angle as opposed to a 20-degree for a kid that's physically ready. So going back to that, hitting the ball hard, number one, is the goal. So don't worry so much about – where it's going because what I would say is this hard singles right now in two years will turn into some balls and then in two more years it will turn into some balls off the wall and then two more years are turning into home runs so don't chase that right away one of my favorite things to do even with younger kids is if we get to go to a field is our last round we'll play it's like some home run derby with them and kids number one that are smaller are never hey it's never okay to hit the ball in the air and I get that I used to fight that all the time because I was a leadoff guy that could run but I also never had the chance to try to hit for power. And I was never told it was okay until finally, I think it was my junior college coach was like, hey, and started getting into some. And I'm like, that's the first time I've ever been told that because it was always slap the ball the other way and run as fast as you can. And so one thing I like to do with the younger guys is take them out on the field and have home run derby with them. And if they can't hit it out from home plate, obviously they're not going to be able to start at second base. Just let them get the feeling of seeing the ball travel over the fence. And then if they reach that position, let's go back 15 feet. And by the time you know it, you're working your way all the way back to the home plate. So that's a cool thing to do. But from a standpoint of it's very difficult situation because obviously you don't want to teach routine pop-ups to the outfield. But I think if you can see the bigger picture of where are those balls going to be when you're 15, 16, 17, 18, now you're kind of on the right path. One thing I, I don't like to do is – Try to teach one swing when you're this age, and then when you're this age, all of a sudden we're going to overhaul and change it. I think that's where a lot of mistakes get made. So we want a lot of the same principles, but I think the easiest way is just let's, for the weaker, the smaller, that's not physically ready yet, think more of low line drives, and that's perfectly fine. Don't try to get in the cage with the guy that's twice the size of you and try to have a hit off with him just because it's not going to work out, and it's not your fault, but that's also the difference between Aaron Judge and Jose Altuve. They're both really outstanding at what they do. They're two totally different packages. So understand your role, understand where you are. And then I, I personally like late bloomers because I feel like they have to work harder for everything. And so when they do eventually catch up, it's holy cow, they're ready to rock and roll. What's your kind of your perspective on this? Absolutely. That's all good stuff right there. Um, and especially the launch angle stuff. Like, so for me, like we, 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 I educate the kids on launch angle. I educate the kids on attack angle. I want to make sure that they have as much, like you were talking about earlier, I love the new school, old school. You know, I think that we have one school. I think the best of both worlds is combining them both. Because obviously, like you said, the Barry Bonds and Albert Pujols is that came from that old school that obviously they did something that works out and worked well. Um, for me, I want to keep things as simple as we can. And I always want guys, to, especially the young guys, the, the young guys that might not necessarily have as much power and the older guys that have a lot of power. Because also, I could look at this as a street of condition perspective as well. Because there's a lot of guys that are really tall, but they're very uncoordinated. And as you know, like the longer limbs as a hitter, sometimes that's harder to control, especially, you know, facing guys that throw velocity inside. Um, so I always want to say like, hey, let's focus on gap-to-gap -gap power. Let's focus on hitting line drives gap-to-gap. -gap. And I love how you said low line drives because I was technically considered a power hitter in college. And obviously I'm getting a little bit more older as guys get older, but I had to think low line drives in order to hit for my power. If I thought too big, I would get too big. And especially with those younger guys, if I'm a coach and I'm preparing guys, when I'm hitting BP, I'm going to try – And one thing at the younger age levels, I think that butt coverage is, and I think that, you know, some things are overdone too much in practice, and I think we need to focus on – obviously, we want pitching and defense is what wins ball ballgames. Um, but 
teaching guys how to hit in practice. And I would essentially, I would rotate, you know, have your mandatory round. If you're doing hit and runs, bunts, stuff like that, you're getting guys over doing the little things like that. But I'm focusing on five, six rounds of going line drives to left center field, line drives to right center field. And I'm trying to hit that ball right over the second baseman's head. And, and if you have that mindset, for me, the guys that have power, they don't have to try to have mm-hmm. power. They're going to have it naturally. So if I've got a young guy and I actually say I have an 11 year old and he's got some good hands, okay, bat speed, he's a line drive hitter. And I got another 11 year old who's kind of a freak of nature. He's got quick twitch. He hits bombs naturally. My approach with these guys is still going to think gap to gap, but with that nine year old, maybe I'm thinking hitting that line drive directly over the second baseman to right center field. We're trying to hit that line drive directly over the shortstop to left center field. And we're trying to master that. And as they get stronger, you'll notice that that launch angle and how they approach that ball, they're getting more backspin, the ball starting to carry more. And a lot of that comes with the strength and conditioning side. And with the older guy, maybe we're trying to hit, you know, a two hopper or one hopper to the fence. Maybe that's our approach. We're changing some of those guys, depending on their weaknesses. Some guys that might get under balls too much. Some guys, if, if they naturally will have too much of a downward swing angle, which we have a lot of guys like that, that we have to kind of try to flatten the swing up a little bit. My thing is, is that if we are constantly preparing these guys, okay, hey, first round, it's middle in, inside, left center field, bang. Second round, um, middle, outer half, outside half, line drives to right center field, bang, or obviously opposite for lefties. And we are doing that day in and day out, practice over and over and over. You're going to start seeing guys naturally have that stroke that we want, that gap-to-gap stroke. And obviously in the games, their strengths are going to outplay. Um, you know, I, I would always, I'm a big advocate of learning to hit the ball to all fields. And if you predominantly end up hitting the ball to left center field in the game, that's, it's just naturally where you end up going. Like I know that I, myself, I, if I'm watching and I'm training guys, I'm going to know what their strengths are. And I'm going to say, Hey, you're always going to have those strengths, but we want to redefine and, and try to maximize these weaknesses. You know, don't stop trying to hit ground balls to the, this side and try to beat it out. Like, you know, if you accidentally roll over a ball, then you can utilize your speed and try to beat that ball out. But we're trying to hit balls in the gap because we want to sooner or later, we want to develop those swings into doubles guys or line drive guys that are going to help project them for the next level, hopefully one day. Um, I like to keep it as simple as possible. And you'll notice as from the strength side of things, and I think this is an awesome question because most coaches don't understand. There's a book, and I'm going to refer a book right now called The Rule of Three by Louis Simmons. He's um, one of the best strength and conditioning coaches. Mine's probably in the world, if you know, if not the best. Um, and this book, book basically talks about how to train kids and the differences in training girls and boys from that, you know, that six, five, six-year-old age range to that 12 to 13-year-old age range and kind of preparing them. And he talks about, you know, doing a lot of plyometrics, med ball throws, jumps, and kind of helping them with the coordination. So if it's a developmental aspect, if I'm a coach at 11 years old, um, and I see the younger guys that are 85 pounds soaking wet, maybe they're a little weak, or older guys that are super strong, or maybe older guy, or excuse me, the taller guys that uh, maybe a little bit uncoordinated. I'm going to try to throw in 15 to 20 minutes of player development when it comes to you know some speed work, some plyometric work, throwing med balls, helping them kind of train their fast twitch muscle fibers that one will help them in order to hit those line drives, but it's also going to help them create more um, hand-eye coordination, you know, uh, more foot-eye coordination, you know, getting their footwork down. And those things go such a long way in developing guys. And that's a big book that I would definitely recommend young coaches and trying to th- throw in some training into your work. Because obviously we're not running a full street conditioning program because we want to interfere what they're doing. But, um, but you want to do something to kind of help them and helping these guys with footwork, helping these guys with med ball throws, 
that's just going to help expand their uh, abilities in the long run. So I think that's a great question. It's a, it's an awesome coach for kind of looking, thinking outside the box right there. Anything else you want to add? Yeah, there really was because it doesn't get talked about enough because usually uh, on the teams like that, everybody wants to see who the best player is and man, why is he so good? Why is he so successful? But a lot of the times when I was growing up, a lot of the guys that were superstars when they were 12 or 13, really either flattened out or everybody just caught up. So what I would say is don't get so caught up into other people's results. Worry about what your goals are. And, hey, if your goal is a smaller type of hitter, like I said, it's how many times can I hit the ball hard on the barrel and reach the outfield grass on the line. And if guys want to hate on me because I'm not hitting doubles, triples, homers, like that's not your game plan. But you're getting on base. You're learning how to hit, not just worried about swinging. And I think that doesn't get talked about enough is – are you a swinger or are you a hitter? And when the game, when the lights come on, can you handle different pitches? Can Because they're not always going to throw it right down the middle like they do in batting practice. And I love how you mentioned, like, hitting on the field in practice. It doesn't get used enough, in my opinion, as well, because there is a lot of time spent on first or third defense or bunk coverages. And, like, yeah, that little tiny stuff is important. But I promise you, learning how to hit the ball hard in the gaps is going to win you way more games than maybe a first or third play will or uh, inside pick move will or, and that's ultimately what's going to win. Now, will the inside move maybe get one or two guys throughout the whole year? Yes. And another thing I think that gets practiced too much is like in the situational rounds of batting practice. A lot of high schools that I've known will do three rounds of situation and the last round they get is your, your free round now. And then I think about it and they're practicing hitting, hit and run so much. And then I asked the athlete, like, how many times did you do hit and run this year? He's like, zero. And I was like, and every day of practice you spent – at least three to five, three rounds on trying to hit and run, hit and run, hit and run, and you never even got to use it. And as opposed to, hey, you want to have that first round to do that? Two, 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 perfect. After that, like you said, let's work, pound the gap, pound the gap. All right, runner, and two outs, get him in. Situations like that, as opposed to just the kind of same, well, all right, let's get our bunts down, let's hit behind the runner, let's do this. Hey, you want to have one round with that? I'm perfectly fine. But to learn how to hit the ball hard, you have to practice it. Absolutely. And you hit the nail on the head right there. There, If you ask some of these coaches, like, oh, I don't understand why we're not hitting. These guys aren't hitting. And then you look, hey, what are you doing at practice? We're working on this butt coverage. We're working on these ground balls. We're doing this stuff. And it's like, hey, that stuff's important. Yes, but like you have to learn by doing. And a lot of those, specifically those younger age groups, they're not getting enough reps because I think the younger age groups that practice is more important than the actual game. As you get older, the game turns into more of the learning experience for those older guys as they get better. Like that, that you have to be in that live situation. Um, absolutely. So we're going to kind of dive in right now. We're, we're in a quarantine situation with a lot of athletes. Um, and it's a tough situation. And I get very passionate about this stuff because I'm, I'm a hundred percent, you know, believer that hard work will get you anything in life. Um, and I see guys right now, I'm seeing guys on social media and I would say that at least 50%, as high as 90% of guys, maybe more are not doing what they should be doing. And here's the thing is you can treat this quarantine and you can treat this, this, this COVID-19 as what it is. And, oh, I feel sorry for myself. I'm not getting to play my season. I'm not getting to do this. Or you could treat this as a gift. You could treat this as something, Hey, I'm going to do the things that I they're putting off and saying that I don't have time to do, I don't have time to do this. Cause they hear this question all the time and listen, Hey, why didn't you do this? Well, I haven't had time. Nah, mm-hmm. saying that I don't have time is basically saying it's not important enough for you. Well, here you are now 
you know, whether you're waking up at 7 a.m., 8 a.m., 9 a.m., whatever, whatever high school or younger guys, you know, middle school guys waking up, this is the opportunity that you can get, do the things that you need to do to get better. And I'm going to introduce a program here in a minute, but you have to earn your free time and you have to figure out a way. Am I getting better today? If you wake up every day and these last four weeks of this quarantine has gone by and you're the same person you were four weeks ago, you're failing yourself, you're failing your coach, you're failing yourself uh, from a developmental aspect. And I want to tell you right now what I love about this as a coach, because I'm going to look at, I, I want to try to look at the positives of everything. And as Adam knows, like we're going to go through adversity in life. We're going to have so many, so many things not go our way. We could try to do everything right and things fall apart. And what we've got to do is we've got to look at the positives of the situation. And what though I'm looking at this as coaches, this is going to show the fakers and the posers for what they are and the people that are really dedicated that actually walk the walk and, you know, that talk to talk all the time and they walk the walk. We're going to find out real soon here in June or July when we are allowed to play ball again who those guys are and those college coaches from our, the, you know, coaching at 16 is Adam and I'm coaching the 17. So the bulls, like we're going to find out real fast. Those college coaches are going to find out real fast is doing the work. So um, before I introduce this, anything you want to jump on, add on to that, Adam? Yeah. So like last night I had the zoom meeting with my 16 year old team. And I think one of the first things I brought up was you're finally getting to see when something that you really enjoy doing gets taken away from you. And, now all the things that pop in your head of what I wish I would have done. So a lot of their seasons were taken away. Now it's, are you going to sulk and feel sorry about yourself? Like you mentioned, or are you going to use this time to say, well, I only get one season this year season and get your butt ready to go in shape. And it, it really does show just how self-driven you guys are. And it's self-driven from players, not from parents, not from guys like us. Like it's all about those guys. Can we recommend things for you? You've got messages. I've got messages Hey, coach, what can I do? There's one kid that's texting me every day asking for a hitting routine, a throwing routine, and a weight room routine. He's the only one, and I won't say his name, but it just shows he's self-driven. He wants to be where – he wants to be at the college level, and he's a sophomore right now, but he's got that head on his shoulder where I bet my money on him all day because of his work ethic and him doing it on his own and going out of his way to text me. And every time he texts, it's, sorry to bother you. And I'm like, you're not bothering me. I love this stuff because it has a chance for everybody to get better. And from a coaching standpoint – a lot of the times I hear from coaches is, ah, man, I want to learn about some of the new stuff, but I just don't really have the time to learn. Like, well, now's the time. And if you didn't spend this month or two months, whatever it's going to end up being doing it, it shows that you really weren't invested in trying to learn more stuff. And there's a pitching certification class that I'm taking in two weeks from now online with the Florida baseball ranch. Was I a pitcher? No, but I, my pitching coach as well as I want to learn about it. And this is the time to now to do it instead of just talking about it and trying to, Oh, well, I don't pitch. I don't pitch. I don't pitch. No, I want to learn some different stuff about it from a hitting standpoint, watching old guys. I will say there's a lot of stuff going on what we call hitting Twitter right now. Now there's a lot of information, but not all the time is information good. So there's sometimes you got to run and there's sometimes that there's actually some good stuff. So find the right guys to follow, uh, follow Sean, follow myself. There's some guys out there. If you want to know who to follow, kind of message us and we'll let you know who are some guys we really look at. Cause there's some guys that it's just way off in the deep end. You don't want to even go down that Avenue because as from a hitting standpoint, and then I'll turn it back over to you is I see a lot of people are using this time to maybe, Oh, I want to try this thing. When I come back in the box, I'm going to try this stance. Cause I've been watching this guy on Twitter do it. Well, I'll tell you this right now is one swing doesn't work for everybody. And we can both attest to that. A lot of the similar qualities are in there, the meat and potatoes, but one swing doesn't work for everybody. So if you're out there saying, I'm going to come back and try to hit like this and you've never done it before, good luck this summer. It's just 
know what you want to work on and then go from there. Absolutely. And you know, there's, we're going to give you guys as much knowledge and we might even have a day where we just talk about nothing but social media and like who to follow and what to talk about and, and, and things to kind of the red flags to kind of get away from. And I'm going to tell you right now, like a red flag, if I see anybody running their mouth or, 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 or condescending people on social media, I'm going to be like, ah, I'm, I'm not with that guy. I'm not all about that. Yeah. Um, you know, there's definitely constructive criticism and motivational stuff, but there's other stuff where just because somebody's doing something different, they're going to throw them down. Cause I'm going to tell you right now, like Adam said this earlier, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Um, at the end of the day, if you're working hard and you're trying to get knowledge, you're, you're, you're seeking out knowledge. Like Adam was talking about, like it, it, players like that, that ask questions of how to get better. We love guys like that. We'll run through a wall for guys like that. Um, and we know those players will do the same thing for us. So my favorite thing, I've been thinking about doing this for about a year and I've been thinking about this a lot. And cause guys and, and me and Adam were talking about this before is guys will start summer ball and they'll do nothing on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays, and they expect that Thursday through Sunday, they're going to feel good. Their arm's going to feel good. Everything's ready to go. Here we are in quarantine right now. I would assume everybody's sitting down playing, um, you know, Call of Duty all day. They're sitting around waking up at noon. They're doing nothing. Yep. Not, not that that stuff is wrong. Like, not that you can't play video games, but like I said before, you have to earn your free time. So I'm going to introduce something called the Hard 90 program. Hashtag Hard 90. Um, so guys that are watching this, you want to show this, like I'm a big believer of I post stuff of me training myself. I post stuff of my guys training myself. I post stuff of my guys because they deserve the shout out for their hard work. Um, I post stuff about me because I want to be a coach that leads by example. I want to be the guy that's constantly leading. I know Adam feels the same way. So I'm going to give you five mandatory, mandatory things, five topics that you have to do every single day, whether you're in quarantine right now or whether you are trying to get yourself better for the future. Okay, you're wanting to play Division One baseball. So you want to be a Division One baseball player. You want to play at a high level. Do these five things. I'm gonna tell you right now. I guarantee you're gonna get mentally tougher. You're gonna to become a better leader. You're also gonna physically develop and get better. Number one, you need to work out 45 minutes every single day. And you're like, wait a minute. Somebody's watching this. I can't lift 45 minutes. Say, I'm not talking about lifting only, right? So what we're gonna do? So say, look, my LT guys, they're lifting three to four days a week, and they're doing speed agility two to three days a week. Okay. Now what that means is, so say, I'll give him to give you example. I'll, and I'll give an example of what Adam, I'll ask Adam what he would do. So if I'm going to work out every day, 45 minutes, say I'm doing, say I'm lifting four days a week right now. I'm doing two upper days. And I'm doing two lower day focus, right? And you're limited to body routines. Hopefully if you got a home gym, you can do more than that. Say I'm doing an upper body day. Say I'm doing push-ups. I'm doing pull-ups. I'm doing a lot of upper back band pull-aparts. You know, I'm doing external rotation as a baseball player. Um, I'm doing, um, as ply, I'm doing plyo pushups at the beginning, you know, maybe I'm supersetting those. There's so many factors, so many different workouts. I'm not going to lay out an entire workout program, but say you're doing that. It takes you 45 minutes. Okay. Boom. You got one, one thing done. Maybe it's a speed day. So there's so many mobility programs that you can do. Like I have mobility programs on my YouTube channel. I'm sure Adam has shared mobility programs and you don't have to like follow a mobility program or a warm-up routine that takes about 15 minutes, right? As baseball players, we're looking for thoracic spine mobility, right? We're working for hip mobility, being able to achieve that hip-shoulder separation and being able to have the core strength to do that. Having a program like that to help those things, I'm going to work out, I'm going to warm up 15, 20 minutes. Then I'm going to do speed training, okay? So that, that can be part of your workout routine right there. So I do a 20-minute warm-up, 25-minute speed training, and I do a five-minute cool-down at the end. Okay. That's a, another example of what we could do. Let's say you do four days of lift and two days of speed. Oh, coach, I need one day off a week. Okay. Well, one day off does not mean do nothing, right? 
So we need active recovery. So for that one day off, all right, you are going to go through your mobility program. You're going to attack weak points. Okay. You're going to go through all that stuff. And here's most importantly that guys will mess up is an arm care program. Okay. And I'm in the next couple of days, I'm probably going to film myself doing my arm care program. I've had three shoulder surgeries. I'm a, I've been jacked up. I have to keep my arm healthy to throw with guys, um, to throw BP and all this stuff. I'll show what I do to keep my arm healthy. If all these things are kind of, you know, it's another language to you right now, you're behind the game. Yep. Um, and you need to make sure you're doing something. So I'm going to go ahead and hand this over to Adam. So if you got 45 minutes a day, Adam, give me exactly, uh, not exactly, obviously, but give me, give me an idea of what you would do to kind of achieve this goal today. Yeah. So this would be the strength and stuff or would it be a different yeah. standpoint? You can just say, say you're doing speed today, say you're doing speed or strength and conditioning, whatever you want, something for 45 minutes that you have to do before you get your free time to go play video games or whatever you're going to do for the day. Yeah, so I would do a speed day, and then going into it, you have to do a proper warm-up of all your your movements have to be right. And you spend 20 minutes doing that, that way you are ready to go, and you actually have broken a sweat already before you started your speed training. Uh, after that, my driveway is slightly uphill, so I'm going to do uphill sprints today. And it's probably 25 to 30 yards long, and honestly, we're going to keep it at the 25. And if I have a brother, if I have a dad, anybody that wants to race with me, I'm going to get them out there and ask them if they want to do it. If they don't, then you're doing it on your own. But I always like to have something that you're chasing from a competitive standpoint. Uh, if it's not somebody, say you're your only child, get mom or dad out there with a stopwatch and time you and make sure you're always trying to chase a certain time. I think a lot of times when guys are doing speed work, just from experience I've talked with is, they almost save themselves to the end where it's, Hey, I have eight sprints. So I'm going to cruise it and then six, seven, eight, then I'm really going to ramp it up. Well, then you just wasted the other five that you didn't get anything out of. So it's always, I'm going to do eight sprints, but they're all going to be under 3.5 seconds. That's my goal. And I'm chasing after it. Uphill sprints is probably one of my favorite things that I, I, did in the off season. Uh, and it doesn't have to be a super, super big uphill. I always like to do run fast up and then you walk back as you're taking your time to recover. And boom, there's your eight sprints for the day from a base ceiling stance. If you want to do that out of the track stance, if you're not a baseball player, either one. And I think there's your knockout. Then you ended off with a cool down. Boom. Day one of speed is down right there. Perfect. That's good stuff. Yeah. And hill sprints, as I can testify and agree with Adam is one of the best. If you want to develop acceleration speed, Hill sprints is one of the best things you can do. And one thing that we do a lot is we'll do uh, 20 sets of 20-yard sprints or 30 to 40 sets of 10-yard sprints. And the easiest thing is Adam was talking about is like guys will kind of save themselves or they'll rest too long or they won't rest long enough and turn it into a conditioning session. An easy rule to follow is for every one second you sprint, if you're trying to maximize speed, you want to look at about three to five seconds of rest. Mm -hmm. So if we're doing a five-second sprint, I'm resting, you know, say if it takes five, I mean, they're three to five times longer. So I'm resting at minimum of 15 to 25 seconds minimum. If you want full recovery, you can go as long as eight to 10 seconds, depending on how, how, what kind of shape you're in. Once you get in really good shape, guys can recover pretty well at that four to five seconds per one second sprint. If I'm running a 10 yard dash or so forth from right there, but you want to make sure, you know, give yourself plenty of time in the beginning. Maybe you're resting 90 seconds on week one. 80 seconds week two and build yourself down after each sprint. But you want to make sure that you're getting, you're operating max output when you're sprinting. If you're fatigued, your legs are fatigued, you're training yourself to be slow. Mm -hmm. um, all right. Number two, and that's all good stuff right there. So number two, you need minimum 30. If you're a hitter, 30 minutes of hitting every single day. 
and, and, and guys have a problem where they show up. And this is something that bothers me so much. Guys will say, I'm like, hey, how many times are you hitting? Well, we hit five days a week with my high school team. Okay, so the, the worst player in the state, right, of Indiana is doing the same amount of hitting as you are at, with yeah. the prices. You have to do – if you want extraordinary results, you got to do extraordinary measures. You have to work on your own. So if you have a net, you can do three – say you're doing 10 minutes, you're doing one drill every 10 minutes. And I use this analogy all the time. I tell my guys, my best year of college, I spent six weeks in the uh, winter just doing T-work. And there was a reason I had a purpose behind it. I was doing long tees, doing short tee, one arm drills. I was figuring my swing out. And by the time I transitioned to BP and stuff, I could feel my mistakes. I could see myself watching myself in a mirror all the time. That was something that helped dramatically. And for me, tee is a huge vital aspect of our programming. Um, But 30 minutes every day, if you don't have a tee, you don't have a place you can do hitting. I got plenty of videos on YouTube of best drills to do without without, uh, a tee or, you know, working on bat speed. We do, we do sledgehammer swings. We do some hip mobility, hip torque work. You could do med ball throw. Anybody can buy a two, four, four pound med ball outside and go throw that for three sets of 15 reps. Um, Adam, go ahead and uh, dive in here and give me an example of what you do for 30 minutes for your hitting day. Yeah. So I think a lot of people, if they didn't have a tee before, definitely have one now from what I've learned with the quarantine. And then if they have a net that they're able to hit into, uh, build yourself a little routine out of it. If you want to start with your one hand drills, top hand, bottom hand, boom. The next thing you can do, you can do your split grips. Split grip is one of my favorite ones just to work on controlling the barrel, controlling the knob. Um, And what I like to do is say Monday, I'm going to work all the low zones. So I'm going to keep the T low and I'm going to go low and away for 10, low and middle for 10, low and in for 10. And then after that, I'll go into what I call it like our statue drill where we're just working on firing from our launch position and then making sure everything's kind of clicking all together and then finish it up with, all right, we're going to go through regular swings today and build yourself a routine, whether it's three by 15 swings at each little section. This is where you get that fun with your own stuff. We're not going to have to sit here and try to tell you exactly what you do is if one thing works well for you, if you don't like doing one hand drills, you don't have to. They don't work for you. That doesn't matter. Then go on to something else and add what you want into there. But one thing I will say is please just try to avoid taking G hacks off the tee. Cause I see a lot of people out there, especially during this time where they're just going to work on, Oh, I'm going to take a G hack and drop this <laughs> ball right into the net. That's five feet out in front of me. That's <laughs> not going to get your swing better right there. So don't stay far away from doing that. And then if you can't do it, you don't have a tee, you don't have a net. If you have a backyard, or if there's an open field somewhere, if you have baseballs, take a bucket of baseballs and have somebody do soft toss with you. Or if not, soft toss to yourself. A lot of my favorite things to do is almost learn how to use, learn how to basically use a fungo, where it's, I'm going to toss it up with my lead hand and then I'm going to put both hands on and I'm swinging through. And it's going to teach kind of a good bat path for you without you even realizing it. And you're just trying to hit the ball hard on the line somewhere. And that's something you can do by yourself. You don't always have to have somebody doing. But if you have a tee in that, no excuse right now that you're not using it every single day. And the cool thing is going to be is – now that once we get back to being normal again is how many kids are going to continue to do this on their own at home now? Cause now they can, and they've done it for so long. Same thing with the workouts is the number one I'm thinking I'm seeing from a workout standpoint, going back to that was, well, coach, I don't have any weights. You don't have to squats, use your body weight. That's find something, find a log. You can make your mind up. This age is kind of old school, new school is now everything's got to be done by a facility. Well, I have to get in here to do this. No, you don't do it at the house. If you ever seen the movie Rocky, go watch Rocky and watch what he's working out with versus the guy from Russia. Two totally different things, but it worked for him. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you dove into that. Like, hey, here's the thing. If you don't have equipment when it comes to the the 45 minutes of your exercise, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sprint six days a week. 
I'm going to sprint every single day. I'm going to get faster. I'm doing push-ups, pull-ups, lunges, squats. Boom. There's so much, you can get better. You can get stronger in that aspect of things. And when I love that you dove in with the T work is understand like the T work is it's a, it's a part of the training. It is not, your T swings are not going to match the attack angle of a swing that you would have in the game, right? Obviously we know that there's certain things we want to try to have as good of a mechanical swing as possible. But I always like to compare T work to a boxer using the speed bag and a boxer using the heavy bag. There's a purpose behind what he's doing. Don't just mindlessly swing off the yep. tee and go, I'm going to try to hit this ball as high as I can. Your arms are getting way big. Your swing's getting too big. There's a purpose with what you're doing there. And, and if you're not hitting with a purpose, this is something I wish somebody would have told me a long time ago. If you're not hitting with a purpose, you don't have a purpose with what you're doing, you're not going to get better. You're just yep. going through the motions. Don't hit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So number three is you have 30 minutes on top of the hitting, you have 30 minutes of throwing. You need to keep your arm in shape. Um, and if you're a pitcher, you're going to try to work on your flat ground, try to get a bullpen as much as you can. If you don't have anybody to catch, obviously, you're throwing into a net. You know, you can. There's so many websites now. You can find a way to build a mound for 50 to 50 to 100 dollars. Um, and also, if you're not that, you're throwing your flat grounds. Try to create as much of. A, I saw somebody the other day making a makeshift mound with dirt and putting a piece of PVC for the mound. Like that's creative. That's somebody trying to do whatever they can whatever they, there's a reason why there's, there's kids that grow up with a lot lesser means than us here in America and they play in the MLB. Um, so we can make advantage and we can figure that out. When it comes to long toss, like I'm not going to get into, into depth, but expand out. If you're throwing with a buddy, if you have a brother or somebody that you're playing with, you need to expand out and make sure that you are stretching out as far as you can. Like we have guys, usually the, the rule is like, if you could throw the ball in the air, 300 to 310 feet, you can throw the ball 90 mile an hour. Um, when we're expanding, you know, you're doing that extension phase, you're throwing the ball with a nice arc. And as you guys start doing your pull downs, you're throwing the ball more on the line. We're expanding out a good long toss session. will take anywhere between 10 to 20 minutes. And you got to remember some days on long toss, you might have a max effort day where you're going out as far as you can. You might have another day where I'm kind of sore. Maybe you're only going out to 120, 150 feet and, and you're throwing more of that 50 to 70% or five to seven RPE on a scale. Um, but you have to throw like if, if you're expecting to show up in June or July, depending on when we start summer ball and you haven't been throwing, not only are you setting yourself up for injury, but you're also setting your coach up, which coaches do not throw your guy in his first start for six innings, build your guys up, understand that these guys haven't been doing anything, but this is part of it. Like if you throw and your coach only throws you two innings and you threw 15 to 20 pitches and you got hurt and you blame it on the coach and you weren't doing your throwing, that's your fault. Um, and that's, and Adam was an outfielder like myself in college and, you know, kind of dive in with how you would do this, Adam. Yeah. So, uh, first I would definitely start off with, we both had shoulder surgery and if there's one thing I wish I could go back and do is do prehab warming up, like you had mentioned in the shoulder program. If I would have known how to do that in high school, man, I honestly believe I would have never had a surgery and I could still to this day throw as hard as I want anytime I want it. Uh, one thing I never did was I used to be the one that's, hey, I'm going to throw for five minutes, warm up. All right, let's go let it loose and outfield. Let's rock and roll outfield infield. And then after the surgery comes back, then I have to spend the extra 15 minutes, 20 minutes on my bands running before I'm going. Another thing of break a sweat before you actually play catch. And that was stuff I used to look at and be like, I don't have time that. I don't have time to do that. Mm. And now from that standpoint, the biggest advice I can give from a throwing thing is, all right, if you're going to throw today, come out here, do your bands if you have bands. If not, a uh, thing I like to do with the shoulder program that the White Sox gave us, and it was for pitchers, but I used it because it felt it made my arm feel the best it ever did after surgery, was two-pound weights, and it was at least ten different exercises with two-pound weights. 
And I'm like, what do I need these things for? And literally three exercises in, my shoulders are burning like I've never felt them burn before. And it was building up the small muscles that are in there that we don't ever really think about. So do that before you get on the your throwing. You get all your prehab out of the way just like you normally would. After that, if you can, if you're tossing with somebody, definitely if you haven't been throwing at all, which there's probably some guys out there, now you've kind of got to start all over again. Like it's basically November, December, and you're kind of working your way back into shape. So start at the 60 feet, the 90 feet, 120, kind of working your way back into it. Don't go into this thing full speed, 100%. Oh, I haven't been throwing modern feels great. No, start it over. Remember, it's a process. So whenever this thing, if it is June, if it is July, that you're actually ready to go. Pitchers, I shoot, I, I would three flat grounds a day. If you can do a bullpen, do a bullpen. I mean, not a day, sorry, three times a week. If you can do a bullpen, get a bullpen in. But if not, like there's just no excuse not to throw right now. But I think the biggest thing is I would honestly do a shoulder program every day if I could from a throwing Absolutely. standpoint before I started. Absolutely. And that shoulder program is such a big part because that helps with you and getting your arm in shape. And one thing that I'll, I'll throw at you guys is uh, we run VLO programs and like arm care programs at Larry's Training. And we I will send this out to everybody is you can buy a piece of uh, one and a half by, I think it's two inch uh, f- uh, trim, like PVC trim. Mm-hmm. And it comes in 12, 12 feet long. You cut it in half at six feet and you got a body blade right there for five bucks. It's like five bucks, six bucks at yep. Lowe's. Um, and you can do that, take care of that, that kind of oscillation therapy. I can't stress enough how, how much better it makes my shoulder feel. And the guys rice bucket, uh, taking care of your arm. That is old school as it gets. And it is something that works. Everybody loves it. And, and it's something I would do to, you know, you're training your flexors, you're training your forearm, protecting that UCL. There's so many things that you can still do, even if you're not getting out and doing as much as what you usually do. Um, but you got to take it seriously. Now, uh, number four. Uh, is continuing education. And this is something that I used to do all the time when I was uh, growing up and playing. I would read books and stuff, not as much as I do today, but I was constantly trying to learn. And, and, and what I mean by continuing education is, you know, get on YouTube. You know, you can find guys like me and Adam, follow us on there, you know, look at things like that, find other guys. There's so much information out there and a lot of it's good. Some of it's bad too, um, but you're trying to learn. You're, you're reading a book and here's the thing. It could be any type of nonfiction book. It could be a motivational book. It could be a goal achieving book. There's something that you need to do to train your brain to get to the next level. Um, and you talk about, you know, Michael Jordan, this, this Bulls documentary is going to come out here soon. And you're going to see stuff about what it takes to be a winner here. Um, and sometimes being a leader, you know, you're not going to be the most popular guy in the room. But there's nothing, there isn't a problem that ha- there is in this world that isn't already been solved by somebody else. And the asking questions, asking experience, you know, and you can even, let's get even further. You could ask this 30 minutes. If your dad knows how to, um, you know, weld, knows how to take care of things, knows how to fix a car, utilize this time to get smarter. But specifically when it comes to baseball, you know, you need to try to learn from guys to get better at your sport. If there's always been questions, like one thing I wish I would have done more is having conversations with guys in college. Hey, what's your approach here? What are you thinking right here? And that's something I think the ego gets in the way, pride gets in the way at times. People are afraid of, of sounding, you know, dumb. And in reality, we need to be straightforward and learn from guys and kind of dive in out of what you take away from that as well. Yeah. And I mean, I'm the same way. I wouldn't read a book to save my life in high school. And I, <laughs> now it's something that I enjoy doing. Even if I don't want to read it, I'll just download it for audiobook. I like listening to books as well. Uh, if you're looking for a baseball one, there's two really high good ones I recommend is number one is uh, MVP machine. 
is kind of talking about old school, new school kind of terminology. But that's one that's really interesting. And then there's one I just started on Sunday called Swing Kings. Basically, it's talking about the age of the home run, but kind of it, it's that's the title. But in my opinion, it just talks about learning about getting on plane and guys understanding the swing a whole lot more than they ever did before, where some guys were kind of just blessed with good swings growing up and they never got changed or try to mess around because they were always good. Whereas others, like a J.D. Martinez from a standpoint, he's on the cover of it. He made it to the big leagues with the Astros, but his swing wasn't able to keep him at the big leagues. So he went back, revamped his swing, and now he's one of the best power hitters in the game. And he was an MVP candidate. I mean, just since he made a swing haul. And that's another thing. Go on YouTube and watch. There's a video out there of him in 2012 with the Astros versus him in 2018 where it's two totally different hitters is what it looks like on there. And just – Use this time wisely to study stuff like that. Like you said, go watch your YouTube channels. And you have a lot of information. Mine isn't out there as much, but I watch Sean's where I see these guys doing a throwing program with throwing a football. That was some of my favorite stuff to do in high school. I always played catch with the football before I even picked the baseball up. And in my opinion, it created a good arm path, and it felt like a weighted ball at the time. But nobody told me that. It just felt like it. And so I went with it. Now I think there's studies out there of the plyo balls you can use to warm up. There's just there's so much information out there. And, like you said, 20, 30 minutes a day, that's easy. You can bypass that time very quickly. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And podcasts. Like, I mean, yeah, LT brings the heat podcast. Exactly. You can bring that in. <laughs> yes, listen to the podcast. There's so, there's so much stuff when it comes to continuing education. And right now, the majority of guys I would assume listening to this are going to look at this like, ah, man, I can skip that part. I'm going to tell you right yeah. now, like, there, when it comes to expanding your knowledge base, it's only going to help you. It's going to help you apply things to life for the rest of your life. It's going to help you apply things to it as a hitter later on, pitcher later on. There's so much knowledge base to take care of. If, if you have an opportunity to learn, take advantage of it right now because you're going to soak things up with a sponge the younger that you are. Mm-hmm. Now, lastly, number five, and this is just as important, if not the most important thing, and this is for success, for confidence, middle toughness, success for life. You need to give yourself five minutes a day visualization of seeing something that maybe you're struggling with or something that you aspire to do for success. And I can't tell you, this is something that I did a long time for a long time. You know, I pray a lot too. And I sit down and I visualize myself of what I want to do, where I see myself, what I'm trying to do here. And the visualization is a foundation of my success in life. And it's a foundation of a lot of people that have achieved a lot of great things, success there's so many things that you could sit here. If, if you're trying, and we can get a little bit more specific, if you're trying to learn how to hit a curveball, visualize those curveballs that you've seen, visualize those pitches that you've seen and, and your adjustments and how you're going to hit that ball and drive that ball to opposite field. There's so much research and psychology research that shows that visualization will teach you and help you in order to achieve what you're trying to achieve. Go ahead and dive in a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, one of the first hires Nick Saban made when he came to Alabama was a mental coach. Mm. And it's in my opinion, it was his best hire ever. And he's always the time bringing guys to talk about mental toughness. Uh, a really good one of mine I enjoyed watching, you can probably find it on YouTube, was when Kobe Bryant came in. And it kind of just talked about the the Mambo mentality. And uh, visualization, very big, big key. Uh, one of my favorite books to read, another book is called The Secret. And it's basically Law of Attraction. And it talks a lot about visualization. Uh, me and Jennifer actually had just discussed about making a vision board. Mm-hmm. And it's just things like that that kind of keep your mentality going in the right direction of what I want my future to look like, as well as how do I want to learn how to hit the breaking ball? I've got to visualize doing it. And, uh, man, it's just that stuff, like you mentioned before, about uh, asking about approaches with college teammates and stuff. I wish when we were back at South, we would have had somebody come in 
and talk to us about uh, mental toughness or mental visualization and things, exercises we can do and stuff you can do when you're sitting at your dorm or five minutes before you go to bed after you say your prayer or even, I mean, I don't know how the weather's been there. I know you mentioned it snowed today, but the weather's been absolutely gorgeous here during this quarantine where there's sometimes I'll take the yoga mat out there and am I doing yoga? But no, I'm just laying there close to my eyes, listening to the birds chirp in the background and using visualization. Five minutes a day, you feel just so much better about yourself by doing it. What are, what are some things you'd like to do? Oh, yeah. it's I will sit back. Sometimes when I'm feeling really stressed out and I'm kind of feeling overwhelmed and things, uh, I'll, I'll approach this two ways. When I'm stressed out, I'll kind of sit down and I'll go outside. And like you said, it's ironic that you said it here in the bird's chirp. And I kind of erase everything and kind of escape from everything. And I sit down and I see myself, visualize, I visualize myself calming down and, and, and kind of breathing. And the breathing techniques I use uh, when I'm when I'm specifically stressed out, when I kind of escape the situation that I'm in, it kind of clear. Uh, it, basically, it clarifies everything and makes everything a lot more clear. And I see things as they are. And I have my biggest epiphanies and my biggest answers when I put myself in that environment. Um, and I'll give you an example. Like when it comes to uh, visualization for success, I saw um, a goal that I had when I started Laird's training. Um, you know, I wanted to build this facility. I wanted to build this facility. And, and I had this idea of how I wanted to build this in hand. And we're in a situation now um, that over the course of the next six to 12 months, we're going to try to get a foundation for that. And it's, I, I'm a firm believer that I, I said, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And we have the foundations. We have the layouts. We know exactly what we want to do. Um, and I'm a firm believer that, you know, and, and along with that is when you set your goals, and I love you said vision, vision board, when you set your goals and you, this is what you want to do. You, you take those steps to achieve those goals. You lay things out because if you don't write them down, you don't, you don't see those things on paper or see those things on a board. It's really just a dream and you're not really taking the right steps to do this. And so I have a marker board downstairs um, and I will write down Laird's training goals. Boom. I even have a home to do goals like things I want to improve on our home for my family. Boom. I write those down personal goals. These are the books that I want. I try to read two books a month. I know there's a lot of guys that are savages and they read one book a week. I'm not that good, but I try to do that. And and another guy, when it comes to motivation and continuing education and somebody that I would advise everybody to read or or listen to is David Goggins. Um, That guy is an absolute beast. Uh, He's a former Navy SEAL. um, And I almost say former, those guys are Navy SEALs forever. Um, but the guy, the motivational standpoint in his history, uh, he's got a book called autobiography called can't hurt me. And that is something I would hundred percent, anything that's mental toughness at hundred percent you can utilize. And he talks about visualization and, and seeing things clearly in his book and, and, and knowing what he wanted to achieve. And this is stuff we're kind of getting deep on right here, but you know, you want to have that success in life. These are things that you got to kind of open your mind to and not block your mind of saying, I don't want to do this stuff. Um, it's, it's worked for me. It's worked for Adam. It's worked for a lot. Of, it's worked for millionaires and billionaires in the world. Um, but yeah, this is, uh, we're kind of wrapping things up here now. Uh, we kind of introduced you guys what we want to do here. We went over a little bit in time today, but I really had a lot of, I really enjoyed everything we were talking yeah. about today. Um, one thing is like for social media, you can follow me at, at Sean Laird 16. You can follow me on Instagram at, at Laird's training. Uh, we're going to constantly, and, and I'll have Adam explain his as well, but we're going to constantly update you guys. If you have any questions at all, you can always shoot me a DM, uh, write a comment on a page. We had a couple of questions uh, that came in. We wanted to address one of them today from uh, Coach Greg. Uh, but Adam, go ahead and uh, give your info. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter, at Adam High 6. Uh, also, we have the Heisler Heat baseball account on there, at Heisler Heat. 
uh, YouTube channel, Heisler Heat Baseball. Uh, we got the website, HeislerHeatBaseball.com. Just anything out there. And like Sean said, if you have questions, we would love to answer them. Uh, we got time on our hands right now. And we love talking baseball. We love talking anything in life. So you don't have to feel like you're just a baseball guy. If you want to ask a question about anything business-wise, whatever it is from that standpoint, feel free to comment us, message us. We can say your name as we're reading the thing. If you'd rather not have your name out there, you don't have to. But uh, we really encourage the questions. That way we can have combos that we're wanting to talk about that you guys want to really pay attention to and hear. And I'm just super excited about this stuff today, man. I had a lot of fun. And I would ask that, yeah, go back and do the five things again so the guys can remember what their five things they have to work on. And then mm -hmm. you tell me when the kickoff date you want us to start it and we'll blast it out there and we'll start trying to have our guys do videos of themselves or just kind of yep. checking in every day. Absolutely. So that's it's perfect. I wanted to round it up today. So Hard 90 program, you guys do this. Tag us in videos on social media. Tag us in everything that you're doing. Number one, you have to work out 45 minutes a day, whether it's strength and conditioning, speed training, mobility training, whatever it is, 45 minutes a day. Um, number two, you have to hit 30 minutes every single day. You're doing some type of drill. You're doing some type of work to improve your hitting. Number three, you are going to throw, and this includes for the pitchers to throw your pins. You're going to throw 30 minutes a day. That, can, that 30 minutes can include your warm-up with the band work, you know, body blade work, anything that you do, that includes that time. Number four, continuing education. You know, I, I, LairdsTraining.com is my website. I got four years worth of blogs and information on there. Adam had just uh, sent his info out there. There is a million other people like us out there that has a ton of information out there for you guys to learn on. Um, number five is visualization. We kind of got into depth like that a little bit, learning to get yourself more mentally tough. And number four, number five, I'm going to tell you right now, there will be guys that will do one or two of these things and say they're doing it. It's going to be guys that are doing the first three things like, I don't need to do visualization. I don't need to read. I don't need to do continuing education or listen to podcasts or whatever. Listen, you can have excuses or you can have results, but you can't have both. And that is true with everything in life. It, don't sit here and say that I'm an exception to the rule. You're not an exception to the rule. These five things, you have to do them. You want to get stronger. You want to become a better leader. You want to become a better ball player. Hard 90 program. Tag us on social media. You can check us out there. Um, and I would love seeing guys getting after it. And I've got guys that are sending me stuff already from LT. I want to see everybody else that listens to this, start tagging and getting after it guys. But, uh, thanks for listening guys. And anything you want to close up with Adam? Nah, man, we're all good to go. All right, guys. Until next time, we got a fun, uh, couple guests. We got, I use recording coordinator coming up here soon. And we got a uh, first round draft pick last year in MLB draft. So looking forward to interviewing those guys and kind of getting you guys to their perspective on the, on the game and in life. But, so next time, guys, we'll see you later.